Welcome to the HR on the Offensive podcast, brought to you by Lace Partners. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to the latest HR on the Offensive podcast. My name is Chris Howard. I'm from Lace Partners, and I'm delighted to be joined with you once again. I've got a couple of guests on, one of which is my partner in crime today. He's a new partner in crime. I've been trying desperately to drag him on, and finally I got him on kicking and screaming. It's our exec director of the HR tech advisory practice, uh, Max Bailey. Max, finally got you on. How are you doing, mate? You did, you did, Chris. Thanks for having me today. It's, uh, it's really good to have you on. And you and I are going to be interrogating. No, we're not really. We're going to be uh, talking uh, data and analytics and all that lovely stuff with uh, a man that you and I have both met a couple of times, but it's uh, Simon Haynes from Simply Get Results. So Simon, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Chris. Hi, Max. Great to be here. So Simon, could you just tell us a little bit about Simply Get Results and uh, and what you guys get up to for your wonderful clients? Sure thing. I'll keep it brief. Simply is analytic software specifically developed for senior leaders who have to make the most important decisions across the workforce. And we think this is a, a really important and rather underserved part of the people analytics market. There are lots of great tools looking at specific data like engagement or recruitment or learning but almost nothing that pulls together the data and insight that really matters most across an organization. So HR and business leaders can cut through the noise and make better evidence decisions. So look, ultimately, Simply is about ensuring that companies have a future-ready workforce. That's great. And can you give us a bit of an insight into yourself as well, please, your career and what you've been uh, up to up until today? Well, look, I guess my, my, my career very briefly has probably probably had three stages. Um, I started out in technology in, in the boom of the mid-90s doing some interesting and early work around artificial intelligence. And I quickly moved into HR technology, then HR transformation, outsourcing, offshoring, et cetera. Spent about 10 years building and running a series of, uh, of HR consultancy, technology and transformation practices. Um, I then went to Deloitte and over about nine years, I built from scratch, from just me, a people analytics business that ended up with teams around the world, um, helping huge corporations in, in all industries. And then in 2014, I, I stepped out of Deloitte to found uh, Simply Get Results to take all of that experience and, and package it up into analytic tools for senior leaders who want to get more strategic value from their people data. One of the things I wanted to have a chat about today is uh, particularly referencing the last six months. So can you give us a bit of an idea on you know, what you've seen in the last six months? Yes, yeah, sure thing. Look, I, I think how, how customers have used data and, and analytics in the last six months has had some really clear phases that have, have fundamentally been in line with how companies have had to respond to the, to the pandemic. And I guess the first phase, you know, March, April time in, in, in the UK and Europe, I would call an emergency response phase. You know, COVID first landed, the priority was, was quite rightly to keep people safe, to close premises, to figure out what on earth is going on, um, and to serve customers as, as well as possible. At that stage, companies had to act quickly and decisively, and I think in general they they did. 
And there was a lot of headcount tracking and reporting happening in those first few weeks and months, making sure everyone's accounted for, reallocating work and that sort of thing. But actually, in terms of reporting and analytics, it was manual reporting. Um, at this stage, most companies were acting so fast that data wasn't always keeping up to date with, with action. So I think there's been a bit of data tidy up going on in the background since, which, which is a good thing. And, and look, in that crisis mode, it was really difficult time to use data analytics. There are so many unknowns, There's there was so much at stake and things were, were changing so quickly. One thing that did kind of emerge pretty clearly, I think, in those early months was an increase in sort of electronic tracking of, of work patterns, the likes of Microsoft Workplace and so on. And, and I think that was a, a bit of a, a, a double-edged sword in, in that it identified, you know, people working long hours and, and found ways to perhaps perhaps help them. But but also there's been something of a backlash in terms of, you know, the, the sense of, of surveillance. Maybe, maybe someone we'll talk about another time. And I think what's happened more recently, and particularly last few months is is most companies are now looking very seriously indeed at the future size shape and skill set of of their workforce and and the need to navigate new market conditions and what i see now is that pretty much all major companies are are asking the question how can i use data and analytics to make some really difficult decisions and, and navigate these market conditions and i think i think what's really interesting uh simon is what we're seeing across our client base is you know, the holy grail of HR data, having a single integrated set of data across your people, across your workforce, what they're doing, um, how productive they are. It's always been a challenge, but the pandemic has really brought that to the forefront. And then how that gets fed into an analytics platform and how you can then use that to, for forward-looking prediction, for op- helping to further optimize your workforce and, and frankly, take care of your employees has become more and more important than ever. Yeah. Do you think there's do you think there's a massive trust issue that has been one of the big issues that we've seen and you know with the, with regards to the use of data and is that going to be something that businesses have had to spend a lot of time getting used to and do you see that changing much? I guess that's an open question to either of you guys to be honest with you. Well, look, for, for, firstly, Max, I, I agree with your comments about the the, the technology landscape and it, and it is a complicated landscape out there and. Um, you know, perhaps we could we could talk about you know options and choices around bringing data together from different sources. It's definitely very relevant. Christy, your point about trust, I, I actually think there's been, by and large, a hugely positive response by employers in in this crisis, where, you know, there, there's been an, an upsurge in you know hu- human interaction, humanity, recognizing that we all have needs, we all have we all have families, we all we all have stress. Isn't universal. I think you know. I was really pleased to see that that was sort of the dominant response: is let, let's let's be nice to each other. Now, now a few companies have have stood out for for having a, a more brutal response, and I think have perhaps really damaged their their corporate brand. I won't name any names. We all read the same press, but the organisations I think that have that have handled this better, that have treated their employees better, that have been more balanced in the market around. You know that so difficult trade-off between you know commercial success and and, and looking after the the welfare of their employees. I think the companies that have handled that better will benefit from longer-term trust, and those that haven't, perhaps not. Yeah, Simon, I think that's that's a, a really valid point because we've seen some quite extreme differences uh, in our in our peer network. To be fair, um, some organisations um, letting go large numbers of people. Um, sometimes under quite onerous onerous situations, and others really taking 
great care of them. And it's all linked back to the performance of their underlying business. Um, we saw some businesses lose nearly 60% of their revenue in the first three three months of the three months of the crisis. Um, and, and for those businesses, the projects we had with them, you know, slowed down, were put on hold, pause. But for many other businesses, and I think this comes back to the underlying um, how has the pandemic affected you? Business has just carried on or, in fact, improved and expanded. Um, are you seeing different uses of the data across your um, audiences, across your different clients, based on, on how the pandemic's directly affected their business and that then flowing through into how they've treated their treated their workforces? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Max, absolutely. And, and in fact, that one of the reasons I, I founded Simply was having worked through a number of economic cycles and seeing senior management in big companies make some really blunt decisions that impact thousands of people's lives in, in, in tough economic times. But with frankly limited evidence that all possible options had been had been considered. And I, I think there's a risk that this could happen again now because these are such such tough market conditions and so much has changed so quickly in terms of consumer behavior and so on. Pretty much all business and HR leaders are having to make some very tough decisions about their workforce. So mm -hmm. where pre-pandemic, most big companies would maybe look strategically at their workforce every five years or so, I, I think as, as McKinsey are calling it, this is a great reset. All companies are now having to look strategically at their workforce right at this moment. Yeah, and I know talking with some of your um, some of your colleagues, Simon, about your your great tool set, some of the, the forward-looking strategic workforce planning, shaping the workforce of the future, what are the capabilities really we really need, what um, number of them do we need, where do we need them, who are we, in fact, as a business, um, to, drive, to drive a strategic business transformation off the back of the um, pandemic is, is something that I find really exciting. And again, we need to make sure we've got the right data feeding into those um, processes. But I think I think you guys have got a lot to offer in that space. Well, thanks, Max. I mean, I, I, you know, I'd like to think so that that's specifically where, where we position ourselves. And the, the fact is, it's impossible to evaluate all of these moving parts without the use of data and some form of analysis. There's too mm. much complexity, too many variables, too much change and, and, and too many unknowns. So you need to break it down and you need a good analytical approach to do that. So look, in terms of evidence and insight to support decision-making, I think that now, now more than ever, our workforce decisions need to be seen to be fair and transparent and inclusive. And it's not good enough if senior execs disappear into a room and come out with a, a plan and a list of redundancies. I think there's a responsibility to make assumptions visible, show that all options have been considered. And in my opinion, that means that you, you know, use of data analytics can, can be used now to take a big step forward in terms of whether it's inclusion around gender, ethnicity and, and social background and, and making those difficult trade-off decisions that organizations now have to make in, in a robust and, and evidence-based way. And I think that the most forward-thinking leaders and companies can emerge from this crisis as, as better businesses with a better employee relationship and even making a better impact on society, if, you, if, if you'll allow me to, to be so bold. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Do you know what's interesting? It's interesting. I, have, I did a podcast earlier on this week with a law firm. We were talking about the job support scheme and we were talking, we talked a little bit about the furlough scheme. And one of the things that we were, we were mentioning, one of the, the, the lawyer actually said to me, Paul Chamberlain said to me was he's had examples where individuals have been actively questioned their 
the, the redundancy process. If we take the redundancy process in as, as an example, so somebody's gone on furlough and their argument is almost, well, look, I've been on furlough for six months. So naturally I have less of an opportunity if, if there's a restructuring going on and you know, there's somebody that's been in the business the whole time, I'm almost disadvantaged. So if businesses can get better at using data and analytics to evidence and also communicate, isn't it? It's all about communication, really. It's about being able to look, these are the decisions that we're, we're taking. We're showing you the data, the information that we've got, how, and, and this is how we're going to perform as a business. You know, we, we, we have to change, otherwise we're not going to exist as a business. And so if your communication is transparent, and if you use data effectively to show that to employees, then all right, it's, n- it's never nice when people are losing their job if they're being re- made redundant, but at least they can see the decision-making process that's gone on. There is there is always the old adage, of course, Chris, in God we trust, but otherwise show me the data and the evidence, right? Exactly, exactly. That's it. Yeah, for, for me, I think you, you, you both touch on what, what I would call a sort of that balance of hard and soft data or even, you know, hard, hard and softer approaches where, you know, we talked about trust earlier and, you know, business leaders, HR leaders, managers, line managers, supervisors, colleagues are having to treat each other with humanity quite rightly and that's a very very good thing better communication more listening more active dialogue fabulous at the same time as we've said they're also needing to use evidence and insight to justify decisions and that's and that's a difficult balance but a, but a critical mm-hmm. balance you know this isn't a case of run an algorithm and, and 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 go with the answer this is a case of use data and insight that you have combined with human knowledge and expertise to make really well balanced decisions and i think that's you know that's going to be an art right now but i think that personally think that'll that'll define the the leaders of today that become you know the the heroes of tomorrow perhaps yeah absolutely so i mean i just think i just think of how much our work life has transformed in the last six months i think i think i can count on one hand the number of times I've been on a video conference um, prior to, say, March this year, and now I probably spend six to 12 hours a day on video conferences. So just the degree of change to the nature of the way of working, the change to the workforce, we've all been through a huge amount of change economically, in terms of our daily lives, in terms of our travel. My uh, my daughter typically joins me on at least two or three conference calls a day, which is um, a great interruption. She'll probably pop in at some stage for this. But um, I just think then in this new way of working, in the new normal, being able to communicate clearly, being able to share the data and the evidence base upon which people are making decisions. Because we're all we're all reasonable human beings. We're going to understand the process if it's shared with us. And I think companies that don't do that run the risk of, as as you've said, coming out of the wrong side of this thing potentially in the future. So I just want to kick this one on just a little bit and talk a little bit about multiple data sources because I think this is an interesting conversation piece. Um, do you think that how many businesses, I guess my, my open-ended question and wide ranging question is how many businesses are getting it right? And the reason I'm asking that question is because I've heard and seen examples of employers who are taking from multiple different data points, they're taking information. And so I'd love to know how many businesses actually get that right? Because surely if you get, if you've got so many different bits of data that you're trying to rely on doesn't it become a little bit foggy and like wading through treacle a little bit yeah and, and chris let let me let me speak to that a little bit before simon jumps in um so so the typical challenge that hr faces and in many of our organizations uh, that we're working with particularly the global ones 
is they have multiple HR systems, multiple finance systems, multiple workforce management systems, and actually getting to any sort of integrated, consistent data set is at 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 best a um, at best a black art and potentially a shared fiction by the time you get the data integrated. Um, companies are certainly getting a lot better at that, and we're seeing a lot of our roadmap work is underpinned by the desire for, for companies to create within a single system or even across multiple systems a single integrated view of their workforce, almost a know-your-workforce type project from a data perspective. And I think, um, in my view, that's the key input that you really need to be able to run a lot of analytics, unless, of course, you add a very complex and and painful normalization and integration layer in feeding the analytics platform. Simon, what are you? What are your experiences? Yeah, Max, I, I fundamentally agree. I mean, you know, the HR tech landscape is is more complex than than ever. I think data is spread out and disaggregated across lots of different systems, and I think that's just the norm. Uh, and, and I think you've, you've kind of, and so some people call that trying to drink from a fire hose because there's so much data and so much noise. It's actually, it's actually too much. I think that kind of leaves you with three choices, really. You can accept that your data is all over the place and work locally in each area or in, within each system to get the value from that system locally. That's fine. I think, as, as you alluded to, Max, you can spend a fortune building a data lake to pull it all together and a bespoke front end to analyze everything. Um, which requires significant investment that would include a, a lot of companies. Uh, or you can work out what's really most important for your business and pull together the data that you really need to support the most fundamental and strategic decisions. And, and I think that's where you know, a partner like Lace can really help to navigate you know, stakeholders on the journey and, and software like Simply can, can help to pull the data together and make it usable and accessible. For those people. The other thing that has kind of popped into my head as well, just as we were talking about that and this idea of pulling together from multiple sources is the idea that do businesses, again, quite an open-ended question, do you think some businesses are, are often over-interrogating the data that they've got? And have you got any advice or recommendations as to how they can simplify their, their processes in that regard? I guess that's a question for both of you guys, really. Who wants to go first? I've just chucked that one over the fence. Who wants to go well, first? I'll, I'll give that a crack, Simon, from more from a transactional operational perspective, I think. So I think because I think if we if we split analytics and transactional reporting for a second, um, if you think of the daily operations, workforce management, um, events in, in the employee lifecycle, having accurate, up-to-date data that's consistent across platforms, that when you're running uh, a workforce scheduling or rostering process, that you've got access to the right people with the right skills to put in the right shift to create your compliance reports for your you know regulators if you're in a work if you're in a regulated industry that's incredibly incredibly important and data accuracy becomes as i've as i've said earlier i think the holy grail of where you're trying to get to with your integrated systems processes ways of working and data and and for those daily business operations that's incredibly important. But when we start to look at the, the broader brush strokes, the strategic workforce planning, the who do we need to be as a business, I think Simon's absolutely right that you need to pick which data points are the ones that you need. Yeah, I, I fundamentally agree for, for those operational and transactional processes, you need the right quality, consistency and, 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 and process. And, and, you know, that just requires effort and maintenance to, to, to keep the, the ship afloat. I think when times are, are changing dramatically as, as they are now, you, you also need something else. And, and it's, as you say, Max, it's 
you know, what, what are the big strategic choices we have to make and what evidence do we have that will, will support us making them? And to your to your question, Chris, is there a tendency to, to overanalyze? I, I, I think yes. I think one direction that a, 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 a lot of companies are probably perhaps wrongly going down right now is, is throwing more and more data at their strategic questions and making this a, a more elaborate technical exercise. I, I personally have a very different view. And that look, that can that can reap great results in the right circumstances. And there are some pioneering organizations that certainly do. I think for the majority of of, of people and organizations, that's that that's too that's too far away. And, and actually a smarter move is to take take a step in a different direction. Take a step back and ask clearer and better questions and figure out if we know the top five questions we want to answer, what is the simplest and most direct way we can answer those questions? Where do we have any evidence and insight and data that can support great choices? And, and who are we going to bring together into a multidisciplinary team to look at those choices? Because I, I think this is about business decisions, people decisions, the use of data and technology, finance, thinking about your customers. That's the sort of balance that I think leaders are needing to play right now. And frankly, try, trying to um, build a machine that's going to crunch all the data you have and come up with an answer for that, I, I, I think right now is, uh, is too much of an ask. Yeah, it does It does start to become a li little bit like trying to build, uh, what was it, deep thought, where the answer is 42, if I, if I show my age from, from the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. But um, I, I agree, you can over overanalyze and have too much data. So that's why I'd, I'd, I think we need, really need to separate between the analytics you need for the strategic question answering, and of course, what is those questions? The answer not always being 42, but then also at the operational transaction level, what do you need to be able to operate your business and optimize the use of your workforce? And they're two very, very different disciplines, I think, Simon. Yeah, look, I agree, and I think, um, Chris, you mentioned you know strategic workforce planning earlier and, and one of the things that I, that I do see the the most forward thinking um, organizations looking at right now and I also think that everyone needs to look at right now is 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 your forward workforce plan what are your future workforce needs and making a comparison between the workforce you you have today and 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 frankly making making you know informed evidence-based judgments about the the workforce you you need tomorrow and and this involves you know planning and modeling future needs and, and i also think that 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 is going to continue in the same way as maybe you know five years ago a big corporation would run a big transformation every every few years i think now monitoring your ongoing future workforce need is going to become it's going to become an ongoing exercise it's going to become more of an agile activity than a than an annual planning process and you know that brings a need to get to grips with data frankly i agree so i also think it's it's the pandemic's given well, many of the clients we're working with, at least, the opportunity to reinvent who they are. So some of them are looking at their core business and saying, well, listen, depending on how long COVID goes on for, of course, will we still be in the same business in two to three to five years' time? Now, no one knows how long the, you know, the, the, the virus is going to last. Um, some some reports have it have it with us forever. Some reports are you know, burning out by the end of next year, albeit with a vaccine, perhaps. But either way, it's help, It's causing our clients to question the business they're in, how they make money, and therefore what strategic workforce planning they need to have in place to shape their workforce of the future. Absolutely. I mean, look, which, which business isn't now looking at their, their markets and their customers, their, their products and their pricing 
you know the the, the channels and the, and the way that they're that they're serving their their customers and look every single one of those changes and considerations has an impact on people and, and requires you to to look at your workforce in terms of you know the skills of your workforce the location whether they're employed or not whether the work is remote or not the support for digitization and technology around roles and skills and activities and, and, and as you say, Max, that's that's a complex set of circumstances that they need someone to be on top of in terms of analysis and a plan. Yeah, absolutely. And even just in the way that you you represent the data and, and what what makes up your workforce, if you will. I was, I was on a, a conversation with a client earlier this morning and in their business, due to some, some internal uh, decisions that were made a few years back, they don't include contractors on their org chart. Now they've got large numbers of contractors in the business in critical roles, critical roles for COVID, critical roles for, for any normal time. And when they're doing their workforce analysis, the data they have just doesn't represent large important parts of their workforce. So the nature of the, or the fluidity, the nature of the, of the workforce, I think will also be a key input to the modeling and making sure you have in fact got a complete set of data um, you know, before looking at those key questions. I agree, Max. And I think there's something that some leading organizations are, are, are doing now, and, and this is a particular focus of ours this year at, at Simply, is bringing in external data sets to, to keep track on market activity, to, to translate roles into skills, to look at the demand and supply for skills, to look at the cost of those skills because things are, are, are changing so quickly. And, and as you say, it's no longer, hang on, what's my permanently employed workforce and what's it capable of? It's hang on a minute, what's the balance between contractors and perms? What are my different sourcing options? Whether it's temporary through partners, through suppliers and outsourcers. And there aren't hundreds of dimensions. There's maybe, you know, five, 10 dimensions you have to look at, you know, remote or not, permanent or not, where the work might happen, the support of, of technology. And just making a balance between those can really be enhanced by looking at external data sets, keeping track on the market and comparing what you see in your organization with what's going on on the outside. It, it, it sounds hugely complicated. It sounds very futuristic, but the, the capabilities to do this are, are here now. Yeah, it's really taking that old build by rent question to just the next level of, of how you shape your workforce in the future. I completely agree. I mean, I don't know how many build buys borrows there are these days. There seems to be a, an ever increasing uh, number. But yeah, that, look, each of those is a, is a trade-off decision that that affects that affects financial performance. It affects employee numbers, employee type, employee location. So yes, just getting a balance between between those sourcing options right now absolutely critical. We are just coming up to the last sort of um, couple of minutes of the podcast today. So. One of the things I thought was really interesting that you were talking about, Simon, earlier on, which really stood out to me was this idea of matching, you know, the data side of it with the human aspect almost, um, particularly when you're coming up those strategic decisions so i think that is certainly if you're gonna if we were if we were to say if somebody takes just one element from today's podcast what would be the core learning that you'd want somebody to take away gosh talk about pressure um, <laughs> i like to do it look if i if i had to if i had to roll this down to one thing for, for anyone listening to this i would say surely now it's not if or when but how you use people data and analytics to support your most fundamental workforce decisions. So, so I would say if, if you're comfortable that you've got that covered, 
fantastic, good. And please get in touch and, and let SWOT know. If, however, you think, yeah, actually, that, that is what I need to do next, you know, my guidance would be go talk to some people around you about that. Try, try to build a little bit of support. Try, try to get a, 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 a team together across different boundaries, including some, some senior sponsors. And ask the other, what, what resources do we have to, to address that sort of challenge? How, how can we get more from, from the data we already have? And obviously, I would include your, your ability to access partners and suppliers in that conversation too. Brilliant. Simon, it's been absolutely fantastic having you on. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for joining us. And Max, thank you for being my uh, interrogator-in-chief um, in, uh, in firing across these, these questions to Simon. You can listen to the HR on the Offensive podcast. You can follow us uh, on iTunes. We are also on Spotify and Google Podcasts, as well as SoundCloud as well. You can also find all of the back catalogue of uh, podcasts for the HR on the Offensive podcast on lacepartners.co.uk forward slash podcast. That's all of the uh, housekeeping bits wrapped up for the day. I think I'll just uh, finish off by saying once again, Max, thanks for joining me. Chris, it's been great. Really enjoyed it. Simon, I look forward to uh, continuing the collaboration. Yes, and I'm going to drag you onto more of these, Max, and I'll probably drag you onto more of these and we'll uh, broaden out some of these uh, topics that we've talked about today. So, Simon, thank you very much. Max, Chris, thank you so much. It's been a, a, a really great discussion. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Cool. And we will see you next time on the HR on the Offensive podcast. Mm-hmm.